Hi, this is the Reverend Jacob Smith, and I want to welcome you to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast. We are wrapping up a season of stewardship, which is entitled Mission Immeasurable. One of my predecessors here at Calvary Church, the Reverend Sam Shoemaker, said, to be a church in New York City is to be a church for the world. And indeed, if you have been blessed by the gospel and listening to this sermon podcast, we ask that you might consider making a one-time gift to the parish or consider becoming a pledging member. You can do so by going to calvarystgeorges.org backslash giving and you can make your gift there. We'd appreciate if you pledge because it really helps us get the real gospel out to the very ends of the earth. So thanks again for your support. Now here's the sermon. So this is week three of four of our annual pledge drive. And I want to thank all of you who've gotten your pledges in. I know there are a lot of worthy institutions and churches, etc., to give your hard cash to. But thank you for partnering with us. For those of you who have not pledged yet and who want to, if you would, please do so by the end of this week. Our vestry meets very soon, and the vestry looks at what is pledged, and we plan our budget according to that. And just so you know, unlike some historic churches and institutions, we don't have this special large endowment that funds our ministry. It's all from what you pledge. So thank you for pledging in advance. That said, this week is also the third of four in our look at the epistle of uh, St. Paul's epistle to the Philippians. In our first week, two weeks ago, Jake talked about thankfulness. Last week, Jim talked about joy. And this week, I'll talk about faith. But what kind of faith am I talking about? Well, first, I'll tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about reflective faith. I'm not asking you to look within and think about the state of your own faith. Because whenever I do that, I find that I'm not so sure how much faith I have, and I don't even know what to make sense of that. In fact, thinking about it, I oftentimes feel like my faith is reduced. So I'm not talking about reflective faith. What I'm talking about is the object of our faith. Who is the object of our faith? For when Jesus talks about faith, when St. Paul writes about faith, he's not really thinking in terms of your active belief, whether small or you have lots of it. Jake always says that when you look in the scriptures and see the word faith, you can substitute Jesus in for it. And the reason why that is true is the reformers, St. Paul, And Jesus, even, when he's talking about faith, he's talking about himself. So, what is the object of our faith? Or better said, maybe, what is the character of the object of our faith? And I think we get at what the object is by taking a look at these two lessons. So first, we'll take a look at the text to the Philippians. It's hard to follow these readings because we are plopped right in the middle of a letter, and while it's easy to follow a narrative, a short little story, a parable, it's a little harder to follow Paul's train of thought when you're jumping right into the middle. But the main idea of this passage of his epistle is that you and I are citizens of heaven. You and I are citizens of heaven. 
We may have a piece of paper that says we're American citizens, and we may enjoy the benefits of being a citizen. In fact, Paul, when it suited him, he enjoyed the benefits of being a Roman citizen. But Paul makes very clear in his letter to the Philippians that you and I are actually citizens of the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Well, I think we can get a look, uh, an understanding by taking a look at the ancient city of Philippi. The, Phili- the city of Philippi that Paul came to was this city that was all about the Roman Empire. Its citizens were noted as being some of the most patriotic in all of the realm. So you would think if Paul was a good missionary, if he had a good strategy, he'd say something to the extent of, to be a good Christian is to be a good Roman. To be a good Roman is to be a good Christian. Right? We're trying to meet people where they're at. We're trying to meet them halfway, not trying to put any obstacles in their course. But Paul was not a good missionary strategist. As we see in this letter, Paul makes clear to this most patriotic of all the people in the realm, according to many scholars, what he says is Jesus is Lord. And what that means in this ancient world to this city is that Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Let that sink in for a second. You're trying to be a missionary. You're trying to make new followers of the Jesus way. And you're telling these people who are super patriotic, actually, the Roman Empire, the Roman Emperor isn't Lord. This Jesus guy is. What was Paul thinking? But what he's trying to do here, he's trying to emphasize the fact that it's true. That Jesus is the king. That followers of Jesus are citizens of the kingdom of God. And this trumps any other loyalty. This is above any kind of allegiance to a flag, to any kind of group, to any kind of ideology, to any ism that you can think of. Jesus is saying that when we say the Apostles' Creed, that is the real pledge of allegiance. So I don't know if you've been following in uh, popular culture in the music realm, but I guess this makes what Kanye West is all about right now exactly right. I don't know if you were following on Friday for the alleged release at midnight that didn't happen, that came 12 hours later. Jesus, or Kanye West's new album is Jesus is King. And that's really what St. Paul is saying. The only problem is, is that Kanye kind of stops there. And I mean, that's good for what it is. Supposedly he's coming out with an album called Jesus is Born on Christmas Day, so we'll stay tuned. But the problem with that for people like you and me, citizens of a republic, people who are at least in theory into democracy, is we're taught from a very young age that most often kings are tyrants. The reason we're not about a king is because kings so often are all in it for themselves. So just as this was a countercultural message to the ancient Romans at Philippi, 
so it is for you and me living in 21st century America. So just the fact that Jesus is a king by itself would not appear to necessarily be good news. But I think a look at our gospel lesson unpacks what it means that Jesus is our Lord. And I'm just going to say it up front, and I probably shouldn't say this, but this is one of the best passages in all of Scripture, of all the New Testament. Read it again when you go home. Jesus is addressing righteous people, people who think they're enough, people who think they're doing good things, and what does he do? He tells them this story. The story goes like this. Two men go up to the temple to pray. A righteous religious leader and a hated tax collector. Why are the tax collectors hated? Well, they kind of exploited their people. These are bad guys. The righteous guy goes up to the temple and he prays, Lord God, and we all know people like this, right? Thank you, Lord, that I am not like other people. I'm not a thief. I'm not a rogue. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this guy, the hated tax collector. And then he goes on to like state his credentials. I fast twice a week. I tie the tenth of all of my income, which we're kind of trying to get you to do, so ignore that part. <laughs> but then Jesus talks about the second character. And again, Jesus is saying this to righteous people, to people who think they're enough. The second character is the tax collector. And we see that he's come repentant to the temple, and he won't even look up to heaven He beats his breast, and all he can get out is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And back in that time, and I would even say in our own day, of our own sense of righteousness, we would be insulted by something like this. But Jesus is telling the righteous that the tax collector went home justified. Now, the message of this text is not for you to go home and be like, am I more like the Pharisee or am I more like the tax collector? The message of this text is that you and me, we're all tax collectors. We're on that side. We're all in need, and God has mercy on all tax collectors. God is going to have mercy upon you and me. We don't have to wear our masks anymore. We don't have to pretend we're more righteous than we are. We don't have to be afraid that some person who might be more righteous than us will find us out or point out some flaw. Maybe point out a tweet from 10 years ago. This is the good news of this text, of both texts, is that Jesus is king, but he's not just any king. He's that king we pray to in the prayer of humble access. He is the Lord whose property is always to have mercy. This is good news. We're rightly skeptical of kings and queens. We're rightly skeptical of people who are in power above us. What Paul is saying in Philippians is that you and I are citizens of a Lord who is merciful, who is for us, who is for us even when we go the other way, 
when we betray him, when we fall short, and not just for past betrayals, but even radically enough for when we betray him in the future. Our Lord, Jesus Christ, he is king, and he is for you, and he is for me. And that's why we say our Pledge of Allegiance, and we're going to say it in a second. And that is also why I can boldly ask you to partner with us by giving a pledge so that we can get this message out to the whole world. But if there is a takeaway, hear this. We do, in fact, serve a king. We are subjects of a lord. But our Lord is for us. Our Lord is merciful. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.